NEC Hoops fans, we are back with another NEC on the run podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. As always, I'm joined by Ryan Peters, our resident blogger at Pioneer underscore Pride on Twitter. And we have a special guest this week, another Uber blogger of the NEC, Matt Morrow at Blue Devils Den, but it is spelled at Blue DVLS Den. That's how you can uh, see Matt and all the great things he talks about the NEC. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Appreciate it. We're going to start off as usual with our weekly takeaways. Ryan, why don't you get us started? Well, since our last taping run, we've had two teams pull off, uh, you know, two victories. Let's start with FDU. Big sweep at home against Bryant. Uh, you know, they trailed game one by seven with about 130 left. You know, Ken Pon gave them a 7% chance of winning that game, but then Three straight possessions, you know, Apollo three, Munden free throws, and then Jaleel Jenkins, uh, you know, big shot after big shot in this series. Uh, he drains the three with about 19 seconds left. Um, and to, you know, the Knights' credit, you know, the defense kind of tightened up there at the end. And, you know, they had a shot clock violation late in the game that helped. And then game two was kind of a bit more methodical, but balance got it done. You know, nine, nine players played at least 11 minutes. Uh, the bigs, Racine, Williams, and then Daniel Rodriguez off the bench, you know, in particular, were really good. They out-rebounded Bryant. Uh, they outscored him by 20 in the paint. And, uh, you know, and they, they even beat him at their game in transition, you know, 33 points to 18 in point, um, you know, in transition points. So just a terrific effort from Greg Horenda's group. And they're, they're back in the race now, four and four. I don't care what the record is for FDU. They're, they're one of the best teams in this conference. You saw it this weekend. Matt, where does... Um... What did this do for FDU and where does this leave Bryant at this point? You know, I think, I think FDU is right back in the race. I mean, every year Greg Grenda has that team playing well um, as you head into February and certainly as we've seen in March. And so, you know, I, like you said, the record doesn't mean a whole lot. And I, th I think they're right back in it. And with the, the way the middle of the pack is kind of bunched together right now, um, I would not be surprised to see this team really kind of get into that into that NEC tournament. Um, as for Bryant, I mean, I think I think they're still sitting pretty, um, you know, but I, I think they're you know, if you're if you're a Bryant fan, I think there is some concern there with that defense, what we saw this weekend. But, um, you know, it's it's one weekend. It's two games. There's they're still by far the best team in this league. And, and I, I still expect them to finish with the number one seed. Yeah, those were two wildly entertaining games between Bryant and FDU, two of the best teams in the league. I'm sure both will be there when we get to March. Let's talk about another team at the top of the standings. In fact, they are at the top of the standings. LIU, really good week for them. Ryan, what did you take away from their performance? Uh, dominant. You know, they win that second game against Merrimack. They're, they're up by 26 late going into the under under four timeout in the second half. So they dominated that game before Merrimack kind of closed it off on a meaningless 18 to two run. Um, and then, you know, the, the second game, Tim Capstraw on the ESPN broadcast, he brought up that the first one to 100 points wins and he was prophetic in that, you know, LIU 102 points, 1.26 points per possession. I mean, they were unconscious from, from three in the Battle of Brooklyn game, 16 of 28. You know, that St. Francis only had four made threes that in, and LIU, they had a stretch of 41 possessions, Ron, where they scored at least two points on 29 of those possessions. I mean, the offense was just running on all cylinders, and it was a terrific week for Derek Kellogg. And now here they are in first place at 6-3. and three. As they're at the top of the standings, Matt, when LIU's playing at the top of their game, 
are they close to unbeatable in this league with the talent that they have? I mean, yeah, you look at that roster to me, you know, Brian, we talked about Brian and you know, that, that roster from top to bottom or the entire rotation from top to bottom, there's just so many options. And I think long Island really can match them. Um, you know, you talk about up front, but just the versatility with Ty Flowers, Errol Penn, you know, doing it inside. Now he's doing it outside. Um, you know, that backcourt of Jackson and Cotton and Rivera. There's just there's so many different options for that team that, um, you know, I just as a fan, man, I just I can't wait to watch those those Bryant Long Island games coming up. Um, I was I couldn't believe what they were able to do against St. Francis Brooklyn. Um, every time it felt like the Terriers were going to make a run, especially in the first half, LIU just really responded and, and started knocking down shots. And it just, it felt like there any, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have lost to anybody in the league that day. As we take a quick look at the standings here, quick from each of you, pick a team that's somewhere in that pack that you think has a chance to break out in the next uh, couple of weeks. FTU, I think is, you know, the, the pick right now, just at four and four, we're forgetting that they were the preseason number one. And I know they've had a couple, you know, opt-outs here, but they still have the talent. The freshmen are really playing well. Joe Munden's really been a really good athletic wing. Pio Racine had a heck of a Sunday against Bryant, you know, 23 points in that game. He was dominant in the interior. Uh, part of the reason why they out-rebounded and, and dominated in the post. So I think, you know, I think talent-wise, I think FDU is going to be right there. They're literally only a game away, a game and a half out of first place right now. So there's plenty of, uh, you know, there's not much space between teams one through seven or even like teams four through nine at this point. Matt, you have a team that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know they didn't look good this weekend, but St. Francis Brooklyn to me um, is still a team that I think is really going to push. And, and I, I think they'll, they could, they have a good shot of getting the NBC tournament. I mean, there's so many options and, and I personally love teams that play small ball. Um, and when you, when you look at a guy like Travis Atson at the four, um, with unique McLean. I mean, I love that, that wing tandem that they can really, they do a lot of different things. They get to the rim, they shoot the three, they rebound. Um, you know, and when you have a guy like Chauncey Hawkins, who you can give the ball to late, whether it's in the shot clock or late in the game, and you're confident that he's going to make the right play. Um, so I, I, and I, again, I love the way they get up and down the floor. I, I really see them as a team to, to watch. And, and this weekend, you know, what, what, what they did against Long Island means nothing to me. I think I think, uh, I think they'll be there in the end. One month left in the regular season. You heard it from the experts here. It's going to be a great race in the NEC coming down the stretch. And uh, those are our weekly takeaways. Now we head into our Twitter timeout segment. And this week's tweet is from Matt, the resident Blue Devil fan on the panel. Let's go, Matt. What do you got? Yeah, in Sunday's uh, win over St. Francis, Pennsylvania, Central Connecticut scored 1.27 points per possession which was its best single game mark since 2013 uh, when they scored 1.29 points per possession and went over Brown. Uh, they were led by Miles Baker with 24 points and Trey Mitchell with 19. Um, in my opinion, the, the key was really the way they shared the basketball. They finished with 16 assists and 11 turnovers. Um, and I think what makes Central a dangerous team down the stretch is that they can be so difficult to game plan for. Uh, Marshall has nine different players who have scored at least 14 points in a game this season. And if they're knocking down shots, they can be a really tough out. Ryan, is there? You're, you're you're right, Matt. They're they're deep. They're deeper than a lot of the teams in the league. Is there a player that you're looking at, Ryan, that you think needs to like step up for them to kind of reach that next level? 
you know, after Saturday's loss at St. Francis, I was kind of asking, like, where's Trey Mitchell been? But then he really stepped up big time uh, Sunday. I, I love his game. Just versatile, you know, shoots the three. He's kind of a two-outcome player, shoots the three, but he'll also gets to the rim. First time in seven games where he actually scored in double figures. And I think if he's a guy who can at least – possess the ball 20% of the time in these games, I think Central is going to be better because of it, because he, because of his efficiency. Good win for Danielle Marshall and company out in Loretto. And that was our Twitter timeout. We're going under the radar here on NEC on the run. Who's it going to be this week, Ryan? Let's go with Marlon Hargis at St. Francis PA. Um, you know, the, the junior transfer from Holy Cross kind of, you know, became eligible only about a month ago, but he's been kind of a boon to St. Francis run. I love his efficient game. And I mean, you know, six, seven, he's vertical. He's really bouncy around the rim. He's already made a couple plays uh, for St. Francis. I've been on the highlight reel. And the thing I like about him, you know, he's making about 58% of his twos right now and he could shoot the three a little bit. So he also could stretch it out. So I think that versatility is a four or five in Rob Crimmel's system. Um, I think, you know, he's kind of under the radar at the moment, but I think, you know, after a while, when people see his athleticism, he's going to be a, a well-known player in this league. Marlon Hargis could be a good one coming down the stretch for the Red Flash. Each week, Ryan tells us who's on his star watch. Who's it going to be this week, Ryan? Got to go Brandon Rush, Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean, everyone thinks of Jenkins and Williams as a top two, and rightfully so. But Rush, I mean, he's the second on FDU in total points. He's the first in made threes, second in Ken Palm offensive rating. Um, and he's really been critical here, six foot three wing. He's really stepped up in light of FDU's opt-outs and, and he's a big reason why the Knights are in contention at four and four. The reason why I love Rush so much is, you know, he's athletic, he could get to the rim, but you know, Matt, I, I love the fact that he's either gonna take an open three, he's got a great lefty stroke, but also, like I said before, he's gonna try to find his way to get to the rim and he's just really efficient in his game. Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 45% from three, He's shooting 60% at the rim. And, you know, I think when you have the kind of offensive options that FDU has with Julio Jenkins and Elijah Williams, and as we see P.O. Racine this weekend, um, he doesn't need to force things. And so he really doesn't. Uh, he allows his athleticism to work. And and uh, and when something's not there, he kicks it out. And, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how, how much he's improved this season. Brandon Rush in the night. Stock is rising as we head into the final month of the NEC regular season. Time for Ryan to bring us our NEC play of the week. I heard it's a, a tasty dime coming right here. Who is it? Alex Watson from Sacred Heart. I mean, coming off the mountain miss here, Bryce Johnson, you know, he played some really meaningful minutes for Sacred Heart this weekend, you know, in the absence of Contavio Dutrell. And, you know, Johnson kind of shows off his ability to run the floor and put the ball on the deck, gets the rebound, gets it out to Watson, then just Watson just threads it. The perfect pass to Johnson in stride, finishes for the layup. And that was a critical bucket late in the second half. And, you know, Sacred Heart just came up with a number of big buckets, but that was obviously a big one with about five minutes left that led to Sacred Heart's win in, in their ability to split in Emmitsburg, which I think is a good result for them. It was a great play. We had an under-the-radar player from our past, Alex Watson, to one of the top rookies in the league, Bryce Johnson, and that was our play of the week. Our milestone segment this week covers one of all of our favorite players in the league, the great Jalil Jenkins over at FDU. What was it that he did that was so special this week, Ryan? Scored 1,500 points uh, in, in FDU's win over Bryant this week. And I mean, 104 games started, 108 career games. 
he's really turned it on a late. He's morphed into like kind of a scoring point guard, averaging 22 points per game over the last five. And he was terrific this weekend. And Matt, I know, I know Jaleel's one of your favorite point guards in the league, just the way he, the way he plays, you know, what do you like most about his game? I've always loved the fact that he can do everything on the floor. Um, he defends, he finds, he finds teammates and he shoots it. Um, you know, and, and I've, he struggled a little bit early on the season, but if you look at his numbers now, he's above 40% from three. Um, you know, it, and I just, he does everything. And I think when I watch a game, I think he's a leader and I always wait for him to take over a game. And, uh, and I look for, forward to a big, a big finish for him this season. He was pretty awesome this past week. Game winning three pointer against Bryant goes behind the back, pulls up Had a couple halftime buzzer beaters as well. Always entertaining. One of the NEC's finest, Jaleel Jenkins. Congrats on the 1,500-point milestone. Because we have a guest this week, we have a new segment. Actually, I'm stealing this one from NEC Ralph. Stats amazing. Matt Morrow uh, does the great analytics work each week on his weekly roundup. And what do you have for us this time, Matt? Yeah, so thanks, Ron. I wanted to talk about guys who um, who – get most of their offense at the rim. You know, the three-pointer has become more and more part of the game, both in college and especially the NBA. Uh, but there's still room for guys who, who perimeter shots aren't a huge part of their game. Um, you know, and the first guy I want to talk about is Hall Elijahs from Bryant. Um, you know, with the way Bryant's offense runs with the drive and kick, there's so many openings for Elijah, especially as uh, opposing bigs work to help on, on drives. Um, He's currently con converting 70% of his shots at the rim, which which is just ridiculous, uh, including a league-leading 18 dunks. Um, another guy similar to that is Errol Penn. Um, you know, as I prepared for this segment, guys, uh, Errol Penn decided to go out and do his best Michael Copo impression in the Battle of Brooklyn. Um, but he's still taking 75% of his shots at the rim, and he's got a 65% effective field goal percentage, which is fifth in the league. Um, and he's getting to the free throw rate a ton. Uh, Elijah Williams. Uh, Elijah really has expanded his offensive game. Uh, he's shooting nine for 21 from three this year. But what makes him as effective as he is is his ability to finish. Uh, he's got a 66% effective field goal percentage, which is second in the league. And I think his ability to, to, to finish the rim really complements FDU's high-octane backcourt of Jaleel Jenkins and Brandon Rush. And then finally, Elijah Ford. Um, unlike the other guys that I've mentioned, Ford's not a true big. He's listed at 6'5", but he uses his athleticism to finish at the rim, both in half court and in transition. Nearly 70% of his 66 field goal attempts have been at the rim, uh, and he's made 70%, 74% of those shots. Great group there, Matt. All of them can finish. Some high flyers, some bigs, some athletic wings also that we have in the league that can finish. Never can have enough of those. And that was Stats Amazing. Time to put a bow on things on NEC on the run. I want to thank two panelists this week. As always, Ryan Peters, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Ron. And the one and the man who is going to take your spot one day soon, Matt Morrow <laughs> from Blue Devil's Den. Thanks for guesting with us this week. We appreciate your insight, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, we'll be back next week with another episode of NEC on the run. Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you next week.